Or is it? Oh, no. We'll have to get that going in a second. It's in this corner with Brian Campbell, of course, and the Instant Analysis Edition Pro Wrestling coming right at you immediately following SummerSlam. Are you fired up to hear BC pulling a Nick Costos literally under the covers in the hotel bed? We have Adam Silverstein, the Silver King in South Florida. Forget the intros. Forget the sound effects. You there, Silver King? You ready to fire up this post-midnight? After midnight, we got to let it all hang out. Instant audio edition. Hey, now. Yeah, I uh, I think we're going to be on opposite sides of this one. I'm feeling good. And no, not under the covers, neither with you, thank God, nor here in South Florida. I still have to edit and post this podcast once we're done actually talking. So we should get we should. I had to pause you there for a second to check out my mentions following this SummerSlam because the listeners are hammering me out. But hey, Bad News Barrett. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. You people got worked. Not BC. Let me give you some generic <laughs> thoughts on what was the 30th anniversary of the first SummerSlam card from the Barclay Center. The 31st in history. I'm not going to come on here, Adam, and the listeners and tell you it was an awful pay-per-view card. No. Guess what? I was there. I had really good seats, so thank you to WWE. And it was an entertaining show. There were big moments that we're all going to remember, from Becky Lynch to Ronda Rousey to certain moments of that AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. You know, pick your flavor on that regard. But did it end disappointingly? For me, yes. And overall, I got issues. I got issues for the second biggest pay-per-view of the year, the one that's supposed to dazzle you, that in the end, it was booked like a payback lash card. It was booked like an in-between pay-per-view. We saw more than one match, which Adam looked to be on the verge of being one of those A, A-plus classic SummerSlam matches, kind of get ruined by crap booking. And I think what we saw overall in a whole in the main event booking and the style that they went for is, look, it's a different era now. We've established this before. TV contracts rule. The pay-per-views on WWE are not meant anymore to send you home satisfied, fulfilled, and fired up. They're meant to get you back to the TV show to see what happens next. To a degree, it's always been that way because the pay-per-view is always trying to get you back to Raw and Nitro. So let's not lie like that wasn't part of it. But it's no longer in the business of you walking out of that building or turning off your TV fired the hell up like we are for some of the other wrestling going on right now. And I know Nick Costos, who is not on this show right now, although a lot of you loved that he ran in last week. Not only did he not win it, I felt that he lost it. He is tweeting out, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, and that's true, Nick. But Adam, here's the deal. If this SummerSlam show was good enough for you, if it was good enough for our listeners who are tweeting at me and telling me I'm too jaded, I'm too wrong, I'm too angry, I expect too much, then guess what, guys? You are the problem because the pawns on the chessboard that WWE had this night on the second biggest pay-per-view card of the year, it, what they could have done is so much more than we got. And if you're trying to say this isn't the Attitude Era anymore, you're right. But guess what it is? NXT one night ago was unbelievable. And it sent me home happy. And NJPW the week before was unbelievable. And it sent me home happy. Those two things, Adam, have ruined my fandom 
for WWE main roster wrestling. And if this is as good as it gets, and everyone that bought a ticket, everyone that watched on the network, and everyone that's tweeting angrily at me is happy with this result, then WWE's never going to change. Maybe we are different kinds of wrestling fans. Maybe I've tasted how the other half lives. I've taken that bite of that gourmet, and I know what it's like, and I know what it could be. And this Sunday night, Adam, at the Barclays, wasn't good enough for me as a wrestling fan. Yeah, well, you said a lot that really needs to be digested and uh, responded to there because some of it you have you make really good points as you normally do, and some of it's a little bit ridiculous. And the ridiculous part is going back to comparing WWE to NXT and NJPW. You're just not going to get that type of card, and and it's not going to develop the same way. You're not your final three matches of the night are not going to be 35 minute barn burners. That's just not what's going to go down. But that said, BC, I also expect my final two matches combined to go beyond 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Okay? It's not so, even about the time, though, Either in either direction. It's not about the time. It's about what you do with the time. Would you agree? Of course. I, I, of course. I'm just – but but if if you give me a four-minute match, you're not doing anything with it. That, that's just how it's going to be, right? So that, I'm just using that as a way to further prove the point I'm going to make, which is you are correct in that so much of this card – was used to advance storylines and give us schmas finishes when as the card was built it had the ability to truly deliver and have us go home saying wow WWE really can put on a quality top to bottom pay-per-view and I'm okay if certain pay-per-views that they put out do that payback vengeance again I'm naming I don't even know Tuesday if in Texas Adam this. say it Tuesday in Texas even hell in a cell whatever the case but there's three pay-per-views a year that must deliver and either end storylines or be so damn good that you want to see what happens next because what you just saw is now over. That's the Royal Rumble, it's SummerSlam, and it's WrestleMania. Those three. And WrestleMania this year, advanced storylines for the greatest Royal Rumble. SummerSlam this year, advanced storylines for Hell in a Cell. That's not what I want. From WrestleMania and SummerSlam, I want things to come to either a conclusion or at least part one conclusion. And we didn't necessarily get that. What we got was a lot of just kicking the ball down the road. But that's not to say it was a bad pay-per-view. It's just to say we know it can be so much more. And they so don't give us part. what we know it can be. So you agree with that part, which I like that you said that. You agree that it should have been and could have been better, right? Absolutely. Listen, any pay-per-view that's not an A is under-delivering. That said, I think you're coming into this thinking it was a C. And I think it's a, maybe a C- minus from you. But for me, it's like a B-. minus. It was a good pay-per-view. It entertained me for six hours in in a way that WrestleMania, while it had better matches and better results, the lows of WrestleMania were a lot lower than the lows of SummerSlam for me. Here's what I'm saying, though. If you wanted to make the argument that for many reasons you can't compare WWE to, N to NJPW, which we've had, you've tried to make that argument in certain ways no, I agree with you, certain ways I don't. Then that's a separate argument. They're in separate countries. There's a lot of separates going on there. But even though NXT is different from the main roster, it's owned and produced by the same people. And Saturday I was in that same arena and we were fired the heck up. And you want to know the difference between the NXT crowd and the Sunday night WWE main roster crowd? Everyone on Saturday night is invested in that product working. But why are they at them? Because they trust the creative, the finishes, the performances. They don't trust it on Sunday night. I know it's a mixture of kids and it's a mixture of this and that. 
but they don't trust it on Sunday night, and they have a reason not to. How could it be that good with seemingly lesser performers on Saturday? And Sunday, you have moments, but you don't have synergy and flow. You don't have maxing out. You know what I love about NJPW? They max out. They go above and beyond what you thought they were capable of. Why can't SummerSlam do that? They're for, there's a couple things. They are owned by the same people. They are not produced by the same people, and they're not creatively controlled by the same people. So right there, that's out the window. If you look at just the setting, and Brian is now eating a dark chocolate Twix while we're while we're taping this, and I don't have one, and I'm jealous of that. Although I would go white chocolate or milk chocolate, but regardless, um, they and you really distracted me with that. That's okay. Um, so so the production is totally different. The creativity is totally different, and NXT is created for wrestling fans. WWE is created for people who like wrestling and want to be entertained. We know this, man. You look at NXT, the way it's produced, the guys get in the ring or the girls get in the ring, and all of a sudden the crowd goes dark and there's a spotlight. You look at WWE, what happens? They get in the ring, nothing changes. It's just bright. They want the crowd. They want to see everything transpire. It's completely different production. It's completely different creativity, and the expectations of the audience are different. Now, the expectations of... 40-year-old I'm a man Brian Campbell and way younger Adam Silverstein are the same for both shows, but they're not trying to connect to us to both shows. They're connecting to us with NXT, with WWE. They're just trying to give us enough to keep us entertained while also giving the kids and the parents and everyone else enough to be entertained and continue watching the product week to week. You nailed it. I say excuse me in a good way because you nailed ultimately – You've, 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 you've seen it bubble over in BC. You've seen it bubble on the inside and spill over. And I'm not talking about any gross fluids or anything. I'm talking about you've seen my anger because let's be really honest. This point a year ago, WWE main roster was really good. I still say it was to try to build the ratings for that Fox deal or whatever, but it was really good. If we're going to be brutally honest, since SummerSlam last year, it's it's been not just hit or miss. It's been consistently not good. And even the Rumble through Mania build, which certainly had its moments, we all entered that Mania going, you know, I'm a little underwhelmed at the the build. And guess what? We said that also about this card. So we're now on one year. Uh... No, hold on, hold on. We're now on one year of WWE main roster not delivering. So I hit the excuse me button because I think you nailed it. I'm a hardcore wrestling fan. I love this art form. I know how good this art form can be. The art form I'm getting on the main roster is just not cutting it. And it's not cutting it how it wasn't cutting it a year ago where I'm like, man, I wish it could be great 52 weeks or 12 months a year, but I'll be happy with this eight and a half months because that's fine. Now we're a year into, what are we getting, Adam? We're getting three good months maybe. And I am a man who knows how good the art form can be, doesn't have a whole ton of free time, and this is not a CBS Survivor one-hour-a-week commitment. You know the commitment it takes to be a main roster fan. Apparently, this is a product that is good enough for all those people on my timeline that were really entertained. A lot of good listeners of the ITC DM me said, I had a party with 10 people at my house tonight. A lot of non-wrestling fans, and they loved it. Well, you know what? I'm a wrestling fan. I'm a mark, a smark, whatever you want to call me. It's not good enough, Adam. And I don't want to be on these waves every week complaining about it anymore. I'm just saying, it's not a bad couple weeks or months. It's not a bad direction. It's where they're at. They're swimming in money. They're just move, trying to move merch and sign TV deals. NXT and NJPW is where I want to eat my meals. And maybe I don't need to be doing uh, the Raw and SmackDown portion of this podcast anymore. I love <laughs> WWE talent. I, you know what we're going to have this week on the show? 
a sampling of some outstanding interviews that I got during Media Day on Friday, and I'm proud of them. I can't wait for people to hear them, and they were great, and they're entertaining, and they're fun. I love talking to superstars. I love our WWE PR friends. I don't love the main roster anymore. This product tonight was not good enough. We're not going to spend this whole show telling you what was bad about it. We're going to break down the matches. But the final point on the big picture, maybe it's not for me anymore. And maybe I'm waking up and realizing that I cover MMA and boxing as well. And I also cover really great wrestling. And this is no longer really great wrestling. Maybe it's good enough for Nick Costles. We'll get him on here one day to talk about it. Is it good enough for you? Is this good enough, Adam, for the second biggest pay-per-view of the year as a 30-something-year-old man to keep this as something you are going to commit this many hours a week to? Well, to, to that specific question, yes. They gave me enough during this show, and I just said I was entertained legitimately for a full six hours. There were things that I complained about that I didn't like, that I would book differently, but that's always going to be the case. The question is, the sum of the parts of this show, was it enough to keep me you know, entertained and watching? Absolutely. And WrestleMania was as well, despite its down moments. But you're being a little disingenuous, and I think... Also, because you were there, you probably have a different perspective on it because you were tired. You were there for six six hours working. You were in the crowd, so on and so forth. But BC, that came across very well on TV, number one. And number two, let's not act like this was some of these D and F pay-per-views you know, that they've given us recently. This was a fine, entertaining show. And does it mean that it, it you know, filled my feel spot? No, of course not, man. I would have booked, and we'll talk about it when we go through this card, I would have booked a lot of things differently than they did, even to some of the same results, okay? But again, they have to hit multiple audiences and multiple different types of fan. And just because you watch the six-hour show, and we'll cut it down to four, let's say, for the main card, and you got really entertained by two hours, and two hours you thought really sucked, you were still really entertained by two hours. And unless you're going to kind of kayfabe us and kind of poop on everything we're going to go through this card and i dare you to tell me that a lot of these things you didn't enjoy so i guess it comes down to you're right it wasn't i'm not here to tell you it was a waste of my time and it was an awful product i can't get over the hill of i know how good it can be and are you uh, and i'm trying to basically play i'm trying to play psychologist for myself right now i'm not on a couch i'm on a bed right now but i'm trying to get in my own head I don't think the reason why I'm mad is because I don't think I'm asking for too much because I know what it could be like on NJPW and I know what it could be like on NXT. Are you essentially telling me they don't want it to be what I want it to be that I'm yes. sitting here saying you blew it WWE and you're telling me they didn't try to do what you want BC. They're doing what they want to move merch, sign TV deals, make money, appeal to different fans. And guess what? You're too hardcore of a fan BC. You expect too much from these people. Go back to the WWE Network and relive the 90s if you want what you're looking for. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because if you go back and watch some old WWE, and I don't even mean old, five years ago, okay, 10, 15 years ago, you watch the Attitude Era even, there's a lot of really stupid things that happen. There's a lot of really dumb booking decisions. Now, at that point, they were, we were younger, and they were hitting our, oh, yeah, we like beer also. We like you know, scantily clad women. We like bra and panty mat. So for us, the things that were happening then that us now as 30, 40 year old men are looking at it and be like, we, we like that. Like I watch WWE old stuff, like from 2003 and see some of the stuff like Teddy Long was saying on TV and some of the jokes that they made. And I'm like, I was entertained by this. I like this crap. So I think you're, you are being too harsh on it. You were also there. And similar to how we were at WrestleMania, we were we graded it a little harsher than the people that watched on TV. 
I'm telling you, as someone who watched it on TV, well, that show we didn't grade came across WrestleMania harsh. We I thought it was a top five WrestleMania. No, but time. we said well, we, no, but we said it had a chance to be the number one overall WrestleMania, and then all of a sudden hit that wall. It did yeah. of like two hours of crap. I mean, it, the lows and highs of WrestleMania were were more extreme than the lows and highs of SummerSlam. The problem with SummerSlam is it just didn't give us a couple of the things that we really wanted to see, especially me in terms of predictions and stuff like that. But again, the sum total of it all, WWE is succeeding at what it wants to do. It is not trying to be, this is what I said on the show last week, it's not trying to be NGPW, it's not trying to be NXT. What Triple H has done with NXT is make a product for fans like us to say, hey, maybe you you don't love WWE and maybe you're on the edge, watch us and then consume WWE on the side. And that's what you're doing, that's what I'm doing. NXT is keeping us fully involved in WWE and the rest of it we're enjoying and watching and it's our job. We get paid well to cover it. We're doing this podcast at, you know, nearly 1 a.m. on the East Coast. That, that's the situation that we're in right well, now. There's certainly a lot of people that are seem to be fine with that. And maybe they're not hardcore wrestling fans. Maybe they're more into the entertainment that WWE gives them. And that's fine. But I think to all what, what that message just said to me and other hardcore wrestling fans is essentially that it's just going to push me out the door because it's going to be like you want something that this company could give you, but they refuse to. And every time a match like Rollins and Ziggler happens and we're waiting for that Japan-style five-star match and it's just not going to happen, it's going to be an overbooked WWE mess, although I really like tonight's match and we'll get into it. Okay, so so there's your point, though. You're not going to get your six-star New Japan Pro Wrestling match, but you might get a four-and-a-half-star WWE okay, match. But the whole point is how much longer can I watch something that I know is going to inevitably underachieve and not satisfy me when it's not like there's nothing else out there. It's not like I'm watching minor league football going, man, I wish there was better football than this. There is better wrestling than this. There's great. There's all time great wrestling going on right now yeah, in, in NXT Brian. and around the world. And I'm just saying for me as a fan and maybe people are like, all right, BC, we're 13 minutes in. You're still complaining. I think tonight was just a final eye opener that this was SummerSlam, Adam. I know backlash is going to suck sometimes. I know in-between pay-per-views are going to whatever. But this was a really good in-between pay-per-view, but it was SummerSlam. Do you know what I mean? It should have yeah, been. Yeah, but they're, not, they're not booking the way we want them to. And again, it's because our wants at this age and with our consumption are different than what they were a year ago. I mean, even a year ago, we had just dipped our toes into NJPW. You know, we didn't necessarily know what we were about to get over the year that was to follow which is some of the best wrestling of all time. Okay, it's not like NGPW's always been doing it to this level, right? And now we're experiencing WWE and we're like, oh, wow, we didn't know what we were talking, you know. This is all new that's happening, okay? And that will affect the WWE product, especially once Vince, you know, stops really being in charge of creative and maybe Triple H does get the book one day. All right, answer so, this question to me then. Which one's more truthful? I know the answer, the real answer is probably a little bit of both, but which one's more truthful for guys exactly like me? And I know I'm not the only one. I know there's other listeners out there. Is WWE the same as it was last year and we're just spoiled and ruined by NXT and NJPW? Or is WWE main roster just getting worse and underachieving more? It's not vastly different from last year. I think last year there was booking that was better. But WWE always goes through booking lulls. I mean, it happens all the time. We happen to be in one right now. And guess what? This Fox deal is going to come up in, in 
a few months or however, a year or whatever time, and they're going to book the hell out of their programming because they want that to hit hard because Fox Network executives were ringside tonight. They were. You know, four of them right next to Ronda and, and Travis Brown, not Ronda, but Travis Brown and everyone else that was in that front row. OK, so WWE, I'm not concerned necessarily about them long term, but as we'll go through this card, which we need to do so this instant analysis can still be instant, um, they are in this weird area right now where they're trying to simultaneously cater to fans like us and cater to the kids and the people who are more there for the entertainment, for the spectacle of Ronda Rousey, for the spectacle of Brock Lesnar, and pay off all masters at the same time. And it's very difficult to do. Yeah, and you, in some ways they're succeeding, and in some ways they're not. You can't you can't serve masters. And everybody knows I can hear Jimmy. I can hear Jimmy. Everyone knows that. And um, thank you, everyone, for enduring my uh uh, psychological examination setting there with uh, Dr. Uh, Shelby uh, Silverstein right there. But um, yeah, it's time to get into SummerSlam and I'm really nervous about what the future is going to bring <laughs> for the main roster fandom, my fandom, and my relationship with the fans because I okay. think I've reached my limit, but let's start off, Adam. Let, let's talk some wrestling. With okay. the main event, which was Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman's presence. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't love it. I loved where this main event was going. And mind you, in the end, it was only six minutes and ten seconds. I pretty much loved six minutes and five seconds of that, Adam. The swerve and the promo that Strowman cut, the fact that when he comes out, you think he's going to cash in, you get all excited. And then you get excited when you realize he's not actually, but he's just going to watch from the outside. They had me at hello. They had me at Brock fighting off some offense early into a guillotine. They had me when Brock F5'd Braun outside and threw the briefcase. Adam, I am riding high at that moment. I'm going, yes. But what was my prediction coming in? My prediction was that WWE likes to tease that there's three or four or five great options on the board where they can go. And where do they always end up going? Inevitably, the safest one. I thought the safest one was Braun cashing in. Apparently, there was one safer. And that's having Roman Reigns pin Brock Lesnar on one freaking spear. What? Yeah. So... And then we're all waiting around, of course, and I'm sure everybody at home and in the arena were waiting around. We didn't. Here's the thing. When Roman won that, you didn't hear a lot of booze in the crowd. You heard a mixture, but not a lot because we're waiting for the cash in. And when you realize they're going off the air and what you got, you told me was WWE story time popped up. <laughs> that's when I go, what the heck? And so here's the problem with the with the fans. They're coming at me on Twitter to my response. And they're like, you got worked. And I think what they think is that I'm mad that Roman won. It's not about Roman once again. Do you know what it's about? Taking the least creative, non-big move you can make and sticking with it. We endured this long, long, long feud and rivalry and Brock keeping the belt longer than he should have. 504 days he's had that belt. Title, championship, Title. strap. And he lost it on a single freaking F5. And Adam, what people are saying is, well, Vince got you, BC. Don't you see what he did? He used Braun as a smokescreen to make sure no one would boo the main event. I get it. I get it. That was successful. He did that. But he didn't win us over in the end. In all of the marks on my timeline, we're so mad that Brock kept the title for so long, Adam, that they're so happy that the title's off him now that they'll accept anything. They got worked. BC didn't get worked. <laughs> they did. Well, before I get into analysis, let me let me do this, okay? Oh, happy day when Jesus washed 
Washed my tears away. Oh, happy day. So, okay. They gave me what I wanted, and it wasn't for kayfabe reasons, okay? Roman Reigns pinned Brock Lesnar clean in the middle of the ring. The national nightmare is over. Now that that's out of the way, you are 100% correct. They made a very difficult and, and, in my opinion, disastrous booking decision, and it was this. Early in the match, when it first started, they had him hit the three Superman punches and the three spears. And after that just assault on Brock Lesnar, he has the wherewithal to put Roman Reigns in the guillotine, right? Not just once, twice. And Reigns is able to get out of it both times by slamming him. Then the end of the match, like you said, Reigns hits him with one spear and pins him clean. All they had to do to make it a little bit better was flip those two results. Reigns hits him with a Superman punch, hits him with a spear, goes for the pin, and uh, Brock puts him in the guillotine. He gets out of it. The rest of the match transpires as it does. It gets to the end. Reigns catches him with a spear. Superman punch, Superman punch, another spear, pins him. If that transpired that way, that's all that had to change for it to be, wow, Roman really got over on Brock. Great the point. problem is, the, the biggest problem is that, yes, Vince succeeded in tempering the crowd so that not only did he get 50-50 booze cheers for Roman, as opposed to almost 100% booze at WrestleMania, okay? But he also had fans not going crazy booing the title change because they were anticipating Braun potentially cashing in. So fans that are, that message you, yeah, they kind of got, they got worked, basically. We did they're not. Cheering, they're cheering that there wasn't booze. They're cheering that but there Brian, wasn't booze. But Brian, that's that like is... saying, let me cheer. I pull into my parking lot and I didn't drive off the road into a river. That's the word. They're cheering that the worst Brian, case scenario Brian, didn't happen. When things have been as bad as they have been and all we have wanted, not for kayfabe reasons, but all we've wanted is for the Universal Championship picture and Raw's main title to progress outside of Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns, which we haven't been able to get. That moment signaled that. And Braun being there at the beginning of the match was a great touch. I was expecting him to cash it in at the beginning of the match and make it a triple threat like you and I discussed on the podcast a couple times. The fact that it didn't happen, I loved. But when he said, I'm going to be standing here and I'm going to be challenging the winner at the end of the match, that became what I was now anticipating. And for them to not only not pay that off, but to not show Braun injured and hurt and unable to get into the ring, they didn't give us any reason on TV why that didn't happen. Yes, I know Brock F5'd him. Yes, I know Brock hit him with the briefcase and threw the briefcase up the top of the ramp. Like, you actually have to cash in the quote-unquote briefcase to get the match, right? But my point is, they didn't tell the story well enough, just like they didn't tell the story in the Rousey match, which we'll talk about, to the end that I wanted it to. So, for me... It was ultimately a success. It was just a failure in execution. Uh, here's like what it comes down to. We've seen Braun Strowman <sighs> walk away from a vehicular manslaughter attempt. Yes. And one F5 and a couple briefcase shots crippled him. Because let's be honest, guys. Roman Reigns did a borderline Hulk Hogan pose fest after that match. He stood on all four turnbuckles and celebrated. There was plenty of time. There yep. was so much time. Yep. And Braun doesn't make that time. It can't or Brock or Braun can't get up in time. But as soon, of course, as soon as Roman goes through the curtain, then Braun's up and he's limping. It's like 
Well, no. we didn't see that. We didn't see any of that. Okay, so um, we once Roman was on the top turnbuckle, it cut off and went to story time, story time. That was it. All right, so we didn't see any of that. Well, so you know, I got a lot of tweets, dude. I got a lot of tweets, and and a lot of people protecting this this finish and the show in general. And we hit that off the top, and that's fine. But people think I'm mad that they didn't go with the booking I wanted, so I got worked. I'm just mad that the booking was so ho hum in the end. And that we waited this long to get Correct. that kind of clean finish. And Correct. because we waited this long, we deserved something different. Because if it was just going to be Roman Reigns, oh, happy day, finally doing what should have been done three years ago, then why didn't you do it at the Money in the Sand match in Saudi Arabia? Why didn't you do it at WrestleMania? Why didn't you do it on any episode of Raw? So you stretched us out that far. And you gave us a consolation prize, and you expect us to just be happy that it didn't get booed out of the building. That's not going to work. When the th- when the pawns were in play for Braun cashing in and winning the belt, KO running in to stop Braun from cashing in and winning the belt, Paul Heyman turning on Brock and going with anyone else, I don't know, Dean Ambrose running in and turning on his former Shield friend. Like, There's a lot of different things you could have done. I'm not asking you to bring back CM Punk here, guys. I'm asking you to do one of the five advertised teases that you had. And again, for SummerSlam, it's just not good enough. I need a little bit more closure on a pay-per-view like SummerSlam. I don't need you to spin me forward to Raw, where I'm just going to tune in tomorrow night and go, is Braun going to cash in here? Or is he going to cash in at the next pay-per-view? Or like, And you know what? I kind of already saw Braun versus Roman Reigns. Recently, and it was good, but like now Brock's out of the picture. I would almost want to pull in Nick Costos and wish that Vince kept the belt on Brock and wish that Vince was going to be because he's gone this far, was going to be arrogant enough to try to take Lesnar all the way to the octagon in January or February (laughs) against Cormier with it on. Like, really, I, I I was at that point where I'm like, if if he's I've been like, I would have given Vince credit. I would have said, hey, you stuck to your guns and you went with it. Now, in another way, he still did that. He still stuck to his he guns did. on getting yes, Roman over. Did. I'm just where. But here's the difference where I rewarded Vince for the swerve at WrestleMania because it was well placed and well timed. And he got us and he pulled the trick out of his sleeve. This was not a trick out of his sleeve. This was let me blind you with something else. And slide in the result that I wanted all along. And that's the difference. Look, in the end, Adam, I, I want something that I can't predict. I want something that... Correct. Uh, and, and look, we just didn't get it. And here's what we got to ask ourselves. And it's something I'm going to have to ask you in about five or six different matches on this card. Was the fact that I didn't like a, the finish enough to ruin the match as a whole. In this case... Man, it left a really bad taste in my mouth for the uh, whole pay-per-view. Because you didn't send me home happy. But I don't want to act like I didn't love that match, man. I loved the interaction outside with Brock and Braun. I loved a lot about that match. And I have loved this feud a lot more than other people have. And love is too harsh of a word. I have liked this feud more than other people have because I like the physicality between Roman and Brock Lesnar. And I've loved it at 31. I liked it at 34. I even liked it in the cage in Saudi Arabia. And even I can't just can't stand by this. You may not have gotten the finish you wanted, but we got the result that we needed. That That's needed. the end that of it. you needed. No, not that I needed, that we as wrestling fans, as people who watch WWE, needed. Because the only way this was going to end was with Roman pinning Lesnar. And 
the, the difficult part for me is Lesnar almost has an out here where at WrestleMania, he wouldn't have had an out. In Saudi Arabia, he wouldn't have had an out. He would have lost those matches clean. Here, it's like, well, I got distracted, distracted by Braun Strowman and Roman caught me and beat me. Like Roman still didn't earn the win, if that makes sense, because he hit just that one spear. So that's why I'm saying, and you agreed with it earlier, five minutes ago, when we started talking about this, if they had reversed the finish, the, the start and the finish of that match, you're singing an entirely different tune because Roman's able to get himself over strong and it starts out a little bit weaker, but the finish is stronger. The other thing I would have been okay with, and you probably wouldn't have liked it, is Braun Strowman standing up, groggy a little bit, cashing in because that's what he said he was going to do, and Roman beating him in the middle of the ring. I actually would have liked it. And it's the same thing as if, like I just said, if Strowman had announced the cash-in and then KO had taken him out. I would have liked that a lot better because it's a little bit more creative. There's some ingenuity involved. Look, are you happy with the spinoff? Are you happy to go into the future of what is basically a Reigns-Strowman reboot? And yes, Braun can cash in at any time, and there's going to be some wait and see with that, that 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 could get interesting, especially if they do it in a creative fashion. I'm just not... Uh, look, we've been there. Look, we've been let there. Me put it, let me put it this way. It's the best main event feud that we've had on WWE in 18 months. Ro- Roman... Braun. It was. Those matches were great. And if we can do it again and it's going to wind up with Braun winning, fine. The ends justify the means here. This is what we had to do to eventually get to that point. But we had to take the title off Brock. Again, not kayfabe reasons because WWE's product was legitimately suffering. Their creative was suffering because they couldn't give guys like Balor, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, and all these other dudes on Raw actual title opportunities because Brock freaking Lesnar and Roman Reigns, the entire main event picture was centered around them for a year. So now that that's over, we're going to actually have what I hope is fresh booking on Raw. And that's what we need more than anything else. So the fact that we've gotten to that point is enough for me to say, I didn't love the finish, but I like the result. Let's move forward. All right. Interesting. What I want, though, on the spinoff on the move forward, and this can can wrap up our conversation on this, is I want something fresh and new. And Roman and Strowman is not something fresh and new to me. And by Roman not going heel, it's not like we're getting, and by Rollins winning the IC belt, it's not like we're going to get a Roman-Seth spinoff feud. It's not like we're going to get Strowman against Rollins or Balor. It's going to end up being a reboot of what we've already had, sort of still keeping that title feud clogged. Yes, you're not going to have an absent champion, but again, this is SummerSlam. I don't want you to use SummerSlam to build toward Hell in a Cell or whatever that Australian pay-per-view. Shout out to Omar Al Rashid. Our man's going to be fired up down in Melbourne. A lot of our other listeners are. I don't know if I am. Or Roman is face for now. Oh, man, you just pulled a BC optimistic. Like, you're just like, like you. it's like you're a soccer referee and you ran in and shocked me and pulled the the red card. I mean, Brian, what, where, where what, do you get off being optimistic, Silver King? Really? Let's be really honest here. What do you think the reaction is going to be tomorrow night in Brooklyn? He's going to get booed out of the freaking arena. Yeah, but that's not a real heel. That's that's uh Let's see. Maybe they maybe they lean into it for once. But you know what? I'm going to cut you off for a change because we have way too many matches and we've already been talking too long. We got to get through the rest of this card. Yeah, give me four hot minutes on the rest of the card. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. All right. WWE Raw Women's Championship. We saw Ronda Rousey defeat Alexa Bliss via armbar submission to win the title, becoming the first woman to hold UFC and WWE championships at some point in their career. And I'm going to go first here because you know I'm amped up about it, okay? 
let me just say this. The match sucked, okay? But there's really no believable way for Ronda Rousey to actually have a match with Alexa Bliss, even to the way that she had one with Nia Jax. It just wasn't going to make sense because Alexa has nothing over Ronda. Like, even her cunning and her guile, it's not enough to beat a UFC champion where Nia Jax had size, strength, and power, where it's believable that those two would have a match. So I understand what they did here. I thought, and you didn't catch this as much, but Ronda was talking entirely too much. I know she talks a lot of trash when she fights, but it was constant throughout the entire match. And because they had the mics turned up, they even caught her a couple times asking Bliss if she was ready for certain moves. And it just was too much. And it needed to be almost a minute quick. It was only a four minute match. It needed to actually be a minute quicker. And one other thing I'll add, Michael Cole did a horrific job selling Alexa Bliss's dislocated arm. That was a huge spot in the match. This is before the arm bar. It was huge. They did it on purpose because she has the ability to do that. And he no-sold it. She's ta- she's doing it. And Michael Cole's like, oh, look at that. And then she puts her in the arm bar and taps her out. You got to sell. Holy crap, her arm's dislocated. Ronda's a maniac. You know, you got you got to sell that Ronda will do anything to win the title. He didn't do that. It was a disaster of a production that matches a whole. That said, it was a nice moment for Ronda Rousey that I think the crowd didn't necessarily appreciate. Yeah, and you know, and uh, shout out to WWE. We had a chance, uh, me for CBS Sports, to interview Ronda on Friday in New York when they unveiled her mural. And look, Ronda takes a lot of crap. Some of it deserves, some not. It was cool to get a chance to talk to her and find out what this whole journey really means to her. It helps you. And anyone that read my story or watched the video, it does help you to sort of connect with the real person going through this journey. So seeing Ronda on her knees with the title after winning it, knowing the journey she's been on, I know it's a scripted thing. I get it. But obviously she's worked her way in and showed you that she's a natural, that she's a star, that it's not a joke to have her as a champion. This moment felt something big to her. When she ran ringside and jumped in her husband, Travis Brown, the UFC fighter's arms, it meant something to her. So that part loved. I agree with you. The match stunk, but I don't even think you're harsh enough on it than you should have been when you said Alexa Bliss had nothing over her. You know what she's had in the entire build? Mickey James and or Alicia Fox. Where the heck were they in this match? I know Natty came out and got the pop for her. It's really not that hard booking to go, here's how it should have been. Alicia Fox and Mickey James should have been there at ringside. They should have helped Alexa Bliss cheat so she could have gotten some believable offense in to extend the length of this match and then Natty comes running in when you don't think she's going to be there because her father just passed away she gets a huge pop she clears them out Ronda legitimately beats Alexa and then you still have the same moment and I know they brought the Bella twins in to tease the you know rumored possibility that maybe we could see Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella at the Evolution pay-per-view we don't know that rumor's flying around Twitter but you saw that as part of the match I can't trash the match because, like you said, that's the squash match Ronda Rousey deserved that we all thought she was going to get coming in. But they're not doing her any favors with the makeup job. They're not doing any favors with the hair. We're not trying to be Dave Meltzer here and uh, Peyton Royce and go down that road by any means. And that's not the point. But Ronda Rousey is a beautiful woman. And I don't know why they're adding the gloves and the overdone eye makeup to try to look like a superhero. You know what's super about her? The fact she's a badass and a former UFC champion and a judo Olympic medalist. What are we doing here? 
like well, you're you're just talking you're just talking about presentation, which is fine fine to criticize. I mean, it's it's how they're presenting her as a character, and yeah, it's it's overdone. It's ridiculous. Someone was it you who tweeted the Mantar thing? She kind of like Mantar. It's freaking weird. Um, but I I don't like your booking of it, your, your concept, because it, that's very convoluted. Where this needed to be a showcase on Ronda Rousey taking down the women's champion. And not just that, a women's champion who gets a lot of heavy criticism from smarks and fans for not being able to work. And you know what? She can't. And that doesn't mean that she's bad. It doesn't mean that she's not capable to be in WWE because she's so good on the mic that it makes up for it. But you saw in that match, the bump she took, like Rousey put her in some judo throws. She dragged her around the ring. You know, the arm bar and the other um, dislocated arm move, those are obviously fake and, and, and you know, that, that's she's not actually hurting her. But Rousey took her through the motions there, right? So the action was fine, but for the, the fact that it was four minutes and it dragged that long and there were like four, you know, counts outside the ring by the referee and it still only got to four minutes, like, it just tells you the way that match was that maybe they should have had Alexa Bliss, like, fail the cash-in against Nia Jax and have that match again and have Ronda Rousey go over Nia Jax. You want a little bit more for it, but you know what? Ronda has the title now, and she's going to have the opportunity to defend that title against the rest of the women's division on Raw. Just because you mentioned the Bellas, and I'm going to move on to the next match after this, just because you mentioned them, that made no sense. I understand if they want to build to that match at Evolution, but they were there ringside cheering for Ronda Rousey, and then they went into the ring after the fact and raised her arm and hugged her. So why all of a sudden would Nikki Bella then challenge her at Evolution? It that uh, makes did that zero make no sense. sense or did it make no sense to announce Alexa Bliss Raw Women's Champion versus Trish Stratus at Evolution the day before when Bliss still hadn't had her title match? I, how about how about the fact that the leaked photos that they had above the NXT set had her with no title, and then after Takeover they announced it with her wearing the title in the same photo, and it made no sense because you knew she wasn't going to win. We'll get to that at another time, maybe on Wednesday's show. We have a lot more matches to talk about. Shinsuke Nakamura defeated uh, Jeff Hardy in a singles match, obviously, for the WWE United States Championship. For me, BC, the moment of that match was the Miss Swanton on the ring apron, which, why the hell would you ever do that? Jeff Hardy's crazy. He is. He's absolutely crazy. Man, <laughs> I love Jeff Hardy. You're going to hear an interview with, with him from me this week, and I also spent some time with him at the Cheap Heat Live show uh, backstage because he was a special guest. What a great great dude as you may admit man if you can imagine somebody who's probably cool to talk with off camera it really is jeff hardy and i kind of like this match it was a glorified popcorn match they extended it a little bit and you know jeff hardy's wild ways in the storyline played against him as he missed this crazy swanton and probably broke his back and we probably won't see him for a while i thought it did good business except for can you explain what tv showed because what showed us in the arena was randy orton's music hit he came out afterwards and then he turned around and walked back. What did I miss on zoom-ins and facials that I should have seen? You missed nothing. The facials were, he was going to go after him. Then he kind of like thought about it, reconsidered. It, it was strange because why would a guy who's been so dastardly and just like pulling the gauges, the gauge holes in Jeff Hardy's ear, why would he not want to capitalize on that and ruin him? Um, it seemed like with that Swanton bomb miss on the apron, which was on, I mean, it was exciting and it was great to see, but it was so unnecessary for the guy's health when like he already has back issues. Just don't do it. Just make him miss in the ring. Like it's fine. Um, it, it seemed to me, and I know you and I briefly talked about it. It seems to me like Jeff's taking some time off and Matt, obviously he's 
discussed the fact that he probably either needs surgery or rehabilitation for some like hip spinal fusion thing that's happening. It seems like we're not going to see these guys for a little bit. Wow. Did you? Wow. I mean, it, it can't help your 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 spinal. Uh, doctor said I need a bacchiotomy when you take that kind of bump. I mean, what was that favorite famous uh, soundbite that uh, Mike Tyson gave? Again, you can tell. Again, you can tell. What do you mean by that? Your back is broken. What a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. Yeah, that's a spinal like type uh, leap there from Jeff Hardy. By the way, you know what Jeff Hardy told me off cam that the stretching of the ears was legit from Randy and that it hurt like hell and that he ended up getting both ears stretched a full more of, of one inch bigger for his gauges. So that was, Oh uh, my God. He had to have oh. one. He had the other, he had, he had to have the other one stretched to the level of the one Randy Orton did to make it look all right. That that's guy's insane. wild. That, and not that's, a, that's so ridiculous. I did like that Nakamura went over, got a clean win. It was nice to ha- see him get a little, you know, push. This was the fifth longest match on the entire show. Can you believe that? That's so crazy. Um, let's move on. Finn Balor defeated Baron Corbin in one minute and 35 seconds. I'll take this one first uh, because you kind of poo-pooed on everything that really transpired here. Yeah. And when, when I was watching this match, um, I guess the first thing that came to my mind was, okay, you see the demon come out. And simultaneously, I loved and hated it. I loved it because the demon's freaking awesome. And the presentation that they gave him tonight was incredible. But I hated it because usually you need to bring, he needs to bring the demon out when he's facing incredible adversity, a title match, a grudge match, the third, you know, thing. And I guess that you could say this was a grudge match because it was the third between Baron Corbin and Finn Balor. But it's Constable Baron Corbin in a TGI Fridays getup. You don't need the demon for him. So I would have hated it had that match not lasted one minute and 35 seconds and had Baron Corbin got a stitch of offense in. But guess what? He didn't. Finn Balor dominated him from the start. It was one minute, 35 seconds of falling drop kicks, sling blades and coupe de gras. And I will take that. I, I, I don't know what else they could have done to make that better. Than what they did for us. You're going to 100% want to hear my interview on this week's show with Finn Balor where we talk about the booking he's faced and the uh, pumpkin uh, demon and all that other stuff and Kane and all that. Was it great to see him booked in a light that will get this type of cheers that will make him look like a superstar and have Nick Costos finally admit on Twitter that he has it? Obviously, Adam, but that's the only thing I liked about it. And I think this moment... Being really honest, I'm not saying I'm better than other wrestling fans. I'm not saying I'm smarter. I'm not saying I'm more nurtured. I'm saying I'm different. And I think this separates me from everybody right now on my timeline who's killing me for not loving SummerSlam. And it's that this was WWE just putting a Band-Aid over a wound and not having any real dots and connected in storyline where it makes sense. You nailed it. Look, he's fighting Corbin. If you can't beat Corbin regular, you need the Demon. But that's not the worst of the problems. This has been a special character for him that they only bring out in big cards or in big circumstances and to have no storyline connection. Not even like him getting beat up the week before and questioning himself afterwards and then you're like, okay, this is kind of a Teen Wolf thing. He's questioning if he can actually beat Corbett. He's got to bring back the anger and the demon. None of that. Did he get a giant pop? Yes. Was I sitting two rows away from his brother who looks exactly like him and brought an Irish flag and went nuts? Yes. Good moment. Loved it. But guys, do you know what this says from Vince McMahon's standpoint? That regular Vince, that regular Finn can't get over. And we know it's the crap booking. 
But if you're from the standpoint of management, they're going back to the demon because they feel like they have to. Finn uh, could get over on his own. Finn doing the Fonzie slash poor man's Prince Devitt leather jacket thing is more than fine. That's a main eventer you have right there, or at the very least, put the IC title belt on him. And you know what he's doing? He's doing nothing. So you know what we're doing? We're breaking glass in case of emergency to put this really cool thing on him for no reason. And my final point, and I know you think it's ridiculous, but I stand by it. Guys, demons are not baby faces. Oh, God. There's no, so, no, but seriously. So we're going to celebrate that this guy has a dark side and that he tapped yes. into its storyline for no reason whatsoever, and we're going to cheer for him? I don't get that. So you're 100% right that all they needed to do, the only thing they needed to do was on Monday night's go-home show of Raw, have a 30-second backstage segment of him in the locker room with his head in his hands, wondering how he lost to Baron Corbin or, you know, what he's going to do to get, get one over on him. If they had given us that 30 second thing, it would say, Oh, now I understand why he's wearing the demon. Now it makes sense. They didn't give us that. You're right. It's a plot hole. It's stupid. That said, if you're going to have a Finn Balor, Baron Corbin, number three match at SummerSlam, and you're going to put it in the final hour of the show, the best possible presentation, the best possible match that you can give me, given the scenario that you have presented, is Finn Balor in not just demon makeup and getup, but an incredible one with smoke, which they didn't even give Becky Lynch, and they didn't give anyone anything special for SummerSlam. They gave him the smoke, they gave him the full entrance, and he got 100% of the offense in the match and beat him clean and easy and simple. And BC... Come Monday night with Seth Rollins as the new Intercontinental Champion. Maybe there's some business still to go with, um, what's his name? Dolph Ziggler. Maybe Finn Balor slides right in there. Maybe this is the start of an actual push for Balor. No, not as the demon, as regular Finn Balor. But they put him over so strong on Corbin that it says to me they would never do that with someone that it, that they don't think can, they can go somewhere with. Because the only other person that ha that happened to on this card, or it's happened to recently, is Braun Strowman. I think what it lets me down with overall is that they're, it feels like they're only willing to push him as the demon when I know who he is, and I know that he doesn't even need the demon, Correct. and he can be absolutely incredible, and they don't give him that chance. And I think what separates me from other fans is other fans watch this and we're just like, oh, man, that was really cool to see him back in the demon. Let's see what happens next. Woohoo! And with no care about the storyline connections, and maybe I'm just, uh, now that I'm 40, I'm I'm old and too picky because I've tasted the gourmet. Uh, I've drinking the top Jesus. shelf craft IPAs, and you were trying to get me back in a Michelob, and I just won't let you do it. Well, that's not, what we saw was not Michelob tonight, okay? Look, Finn Balor, when he walks down the ramp and he smiles and then he loses to Kane, that's a Michelob. That's not what we saw tonight, okay? What we saw was them putting their best foot forward with Finn Balor given a really bad situation. And you can't blame them for making the best of a bad situation. Yes, they put themselves in that situation 100%, of course, because that's what WWE does. But they put the biggest possible band-aid they could on it, you know and Trips now let's done? see what happens. Trips would have told the story. Is it that hard? Because I here's what I think, and I saw tweets from— Oh, my from, God, we have so many more matches. I saw tweets from Lance Storm that sort of was like, hey, NXT fans, shut up. You can't have NXT booking on a WWE show, and I completely Correct. disagree with that. They really believe that you can't book in the NXT style and still gain new fans and move product and, and, and get to Not to the same levels. You can't do that with every character. You can't book every program right. NXT style. 
They could book some programs that style, but they I can't book every single program that the style. The wrestler response is, hey, Campbell, you're not on the insides. You don't know. Talk to me after you book the, uh, the damn territory up and down the road and fill 15 hours a week of TV. I know that would be the response. But I'm sitting here as an educated fan, and I'm going to tell you, if they booked the main roster like they booked NXT with that dedication to storyline, with the matches on the pay-per-views that juiced and intense well, and course. dramatic, of- it would get over. And that's basically the foundation of my problem. Yeah, but not everyone that watches WWE is invested week to week or month to month. A lot of people, especially for SummerSlam and WrestleMania, they pop in. You have a corporate excuse for everything, Adam. You have a corporate excuse for everything. You know what's really funny is that I started this show as the pessimist, and I kind of, I'm trying to, I'm the one that has to talk you off the ledge now because you're being like overly ridiculous just because you have some addiction to njpw or something no nxt saturday nights i know how good wrestling can be saturday night yes, takeover. But it's the same company this the company is providing it for you it's called nxt i think you're right they're I think giving you what you want i think what we're what we're having on this show is we're watching me break we're we're, we're listening to me break this might I, look I, I i need some time off I well, I'm going to break. I'm going to break because we've been talking forever and we're like five matches. I think into this, this is thing. the so, end of it. I've had a great relationship okay, with the fans and the listeners who like to hear me break down the main roster. I think my relationship with the main roster is ending. I think this is the last time right here. Okay. We'll, what just like last Monday night was. Just no, like no, but I, no, but I think I really mean it. Sure. I think we'll have in, okay. in this NJPW corner with BC. We'll talk NXT. And we'll have no listeners. Okay, BC, let's move on to the Miz Daniel Bryan match, which. That thing went 23-30. I think it was actually the longest match. Yes, it was. The longest match on the card. Um, what do you think? I mean, tell me, talk to me about, did it tell the right story, and did it have the right finish for you? No and no. And I'm and, and again, not poo-pooing the oh match as, a, 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 in general. So the, the video program, the video promo before there got me so fired up. This was a rare wrestling match that as it started, as they're entering the ring in that building, it felt the equivalent of a championship boxing or MMA match that I've been privileged to cover many times. I had that those butterflies. I was so jacked up and marking out with my with with Jamie Mazowskis and Robbie Snyder, our CBS brethren, who were in the crowd with me. We were marking the heck out for this. Was it a bad match? No. But Adam, was it the match on the level of the dream match that essentially it was? with Daniel Bryan having been retired and us thinking this would never happen and enduring the amazing talking smack moment and everything that happened after there and this great eight-year build. Did it follow through? No. And if your response to me, if your response to me is that finish was to set up the future to keep this, this feud going and extending, I get it. But guys, this is not backlash. This is SummerSlam. That was not a SummerSlam finish. Yes, it did was. I, did I hate the finish? No. Execution? Perfect. So that's why I'm here to tell you, from The Miz to Maurice to maybe even Monroe Sky, if she was in that in that carriage, the execution was perfect. But, Adam, I did not think, and I'm not just, look, I'm not trying to find a way to hate this. You are. In you the are. moment, I had two guys with me who also didn't like it, and we both, for all the same reasons, in the moment, it was underwhelming for what this match could have been. Is it that hard to, to ask for a finish? Is it really that hard to ask for a finish? You got to finish. You got a dastardly, not a dastardly, a chicken bleep heel uh, finish with his wife at ringside and prolonging a rivalry that where you want to see the baby face get over and get the massive pop and the baby face didn't go over because guess what? They're going to have one or two more matches. 
And but that's a SmackDown finish. And Nick's problem last week, and Nick's problem last week with this not being settled at summer at WrestleMania. Maybe it will be, and maybe it'll be for the WWE title, or maybe it won't. Maybe it'll just be the trilogy. Maybe we'll get a Hell in a Cell match next. Maybe Miz will find a way to win that, and maybe we'll get something special when we get around to WrestleMania. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing at this point there's a million things that can happen, BC, but let me tell you what needed to happen in Daniel Bryan Miz. We needed to see them trade the moves that you know Miz stole. We needed to see the punching because Daniel Bryan promised he would punch him in the face. We needed to see the just the anger of Daniel Bryan almost take him over throughout the match, which we saw, and we needed to see the Miz win. So how did you want the Miz to win? Did you want the Miz to hit that skull-crushing finale clean and beat him? No. You want him to get one up on him, and using Maurice, who he has the reality show with, who is now has played such a large role in his return to WWE, you know, she's been a huge part of it ever since, you know, she came back and they, and they gave us him this whole new Hollywood storyline. It played out exactly like it should have. Was it the most exciting match that it could have been? No. But we don't get that routinely from WWE. What we got was the right story Adam, and the right finish. Adam, and, and you have and, a problem. You have a hole in there. You said it's SummerSlam. It, dude, it's SummerSlam. You said, yes, but you said, was it a great a match? No, but we don't often get that from WWE. That's a problem at SummerSlam when this feud has been eight years in the making. Adam, this match was not that good. And I don't want to. It was a good match. It was fine. It wasn't a. Okay, do you realize the buildup and the 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 expectation for this match? It yes, was but the only way you would have had a payoff on that is if Daniel Bryan won. It was wrestled in a very WWE TV style, not a pay-per-view style, a WWE TV style. Maybe you watched it with the commentary, and this is more of a live thing from, you know, a difference between at your home and in the chair. In the chair, in the match, looking around, everybody on their cell phone, People not really paying attention. People kind of waiting to the finish to see if something would happen. A lot of rest holds, not a high work rate. It wasn't the match it could have been. Yeah, we it was get 24 minutes. It should have been 15 minutes. It was 24 minutes. That's what you get. That's what they decided to do. It doesn't mean it was bad. I understand what you wanted, but they told the story that they told. They Let me put it this way. A match like that, I could have seen them giving nine minutes to a year ago. They gave it 24 minutes, and they put it after the WWE right. Championship Let's not talk on the about same the length brand. anymore. Let's talk about the quality. Let me just answer this one question. It wasn't as good as it could just have been or should question. have been. Okay, so you just said that. But if this yes. was NXT and they had, th they oh had this God. to work. No, seriously. Look, I'm not even bringing up Japan. I'm only talking about NXT. If they had this to work with, this backlog of a story. Would we have gotten something more dramatic, creative, intense, physical? Yes, we saw it with Gargano and Ciampa one night before. There it is. Thank you. And yes, they can still give us that in the next time they fight. There's a narrative. There's a flowing narrative. It's not good enough anymore. Okay, Brian. Do you want to say that for 10 more matches here? Or do you want to get like, it's not good enough anymore. Okay, I'm sorry. It's one. It's also 1.30 a.m. on the East Coast. And you've been looking at and watching wrestling for eight hours, and you've come into this show with just this the big most pessimistic attitude that I don't understand why. And I'm I'm telling you, man, a lot of the people listening to the show are gonna be like, what the hell crawled up this guy's ass? Because the show was not nearly as bad as you're making it out to be. No, it wasn't perfect. Yes, WWE can and should be better, but that doesn't mean that everything we saw was crap. 
This was not crap. This was a good match, perfectly fine with the right story, the right finish, and they closed the storyline loop on the night itself by having Brian backstage holding ice on his head, totally disheveled that he lost to the Miz at the end of this rivalry, needing his wife to console him and continuing the storyline going forward. So they didn't just give us the storyline of the match. They actually followed it up on the show. If it doesn't give end me in a, a break. Birdie Monroe Sky feud, then then I'm not into it. No, I Birdie mean, and Monroe, look, Birdie Monroe Sky in a pole match. You're gonna, uh, yeah, you're gonna have some listeners that are gonna tweet that at me. And look, this might be the end of, of my relationship with our listeners okay. and the main roster. But you know what? I gotta take a stand. I gotta stand up okay. for what matters. I gotta. Well, I'm gonna go. People, I gotta tell the people the truth. I was. There I'm gonna on go Saturday. stand. Adam, I was there on Saturday. I got to tell people the truth. I've tasted it. Guys, I've tasted it. Have you ever had a really, really good steak? Adam, I don't mean a $30 steak. Have you ever had a $125 steak? Have you ever? No, I'm serious. I'm, I'm yes, really serious. Yes, here. I've had Wagyu steak. Yes, I've okay. had Kobe beef steak. Yes, okay. I've had great steak. Are you able to go back and buy like a, like a $7 steak? Are you able to? I would never buy a $7 steak in the first place. We're also not watching Impact. Are you able to go or back Ring and of buy Honor. a $15 steak? We're not watching we're not watching Ring of Honor. Wow, wow. 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 All right. All right. Hey, let's move on. All Anybody right. else give me let, four let, me, let me tell you let me tell you a piece of meat that I enjoyed. <laughs> wow. Wow. Can we <laughs> let me save that audio? Uh, uh, Samoa Joe <laughs> defeating AJ Styles by DQ in the WWE Championship match that went on 6th to last. Oh. On this show, this thing started extremely slow to the point where I didn't know if like it was a Samoa Joe thing where they had all those rest holds at the beginning, like for him, but apparently not because that picked up in a massive way with some of the best spots of the night. And we did get a schmoz finish with Samoa Joe on the mic, um, basically telling AJ Styles wife that he would be their new daddy. AJ going absolutely nuts, tackling him off the table through the barrier by ringside and then attacking it with a chair and causing the disqualification. So I hated that we didn't get a clean finish, but out of all the matches that did not have a clean finish on the night, and there were a couple of them, this was awesome. BC love, 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 love the match, love the booking, love the psychology, love the trash talking, love the smudge finish. This should have been the only smash finish of the night. And if it was, Correct. we would have understood. We probably would have rated this like an A minus match. The last, excuse me for burping there. I'm, down, I'm downing so much hatred here. The last five minutes of this match were absolutely incredible. But I actually really liked the slow parts early on. I love the foundation they built. Where in other matches on this card that were slow early, I didn't love. I felt that this was intense. AJ took a friggin' beating in this match it was stiff as heck and we had multiple moments in the crowd where everyone people you didn't know would turn to you and go oh my god was that thing was stiff Samoa Joe took that styles clash and we thought for a second he was dead this was a stiff ass match I love the TNA chant in the beginning and I love AJ and kayfabe standing up for marriage, standing up for his wife in a relatable way <laughs> that Schmaz, I didn't care about Schmaz. You can justify that finish. Samoa Joe, I tweeted this and I stand by it, is the despicable heat-seeking missile that we all deserve. And by the way, I've had four DMs from fans that are like, did you see that Chronicle show that the WWE Network just snuck in there two days ago with Samoa yep. Joe? People are saying it's the greatest thing ever. 
I watched three-fourths of it. Here's what I'll say real quick. The candid stuff with Joe and the stuff with his family, great. Why the heck are they putting out a show where Joe's in kayfabe for half of it and real for the other? Did you watch that? Yeah, but Joe, even when he's in kayfabe, even when Joe's in kayfabe, though, it's semi-real. I don't know. There was way too much kayfabe on there about like, all right, guys, money in the bank tonight. I'm, you know, really hoping that uh, it's like, dude, it's scripted, Joe. We know it's scripted. You know, it's scripted. Anyway, he gave me a whole kayfabe interview on Friday. So maybe it was just par for the course for where he is right now. Don't let that get in the way. This match ruled. This succeeded, Adam, in making me want to see what happens next. Is AJ going to go the Gargano route and get so angry that it's going to take him out of his game? What can Joe? I'm sorry. What? Can, yeah. What can Joe do? That's even more despicable. To to uh to Mrs. Styles there. What what was her first name? Wendy. Wendy. Um. It it was great, and it was the details. It was showing them before the match and not having them ringside. So you're not thinking they're going to factor into it in any way. They were far off. They were like in row eight of the floor at the very end on the corner. I loved that. I loved the fact that after the match. When AJ goes up there, and you didn't hear this, most likely because you were very far away, but she yells at AJ to stop while he's looking on the at the barrier, and he has the chair. He's going to go back after Samoa Joe again. She yells at him to stop. She plays her role great. The kid, whose name I don't know, the little baby, he jumps over the ramp. He's bleeding profusely from his head. Hard way. Love the hard way. Love. Now, now Vince may have gotten to this little girl, okay? But if he didn't and didn't give her a script line, then she delivered. The perfect lunch. She goes, Daddy, you're bleeding. He grabs his head. He goes, I know. I'm so sorry. It was so well done for an improv moment. It totally sold and put over everything Samoa Joe said, everything he did, the action leading up to that, not just outside the ring, but the like seven minutes right before. It was a 23-minute match. The seven minutes right before were some of the best action we saw on the entire show. And the entire weekend. I'm just saying it was good action. I'm not saying it's a better match. But it was really good, really exciting. You didn't know what was going to happen. I really thought that my prediction was going to be right and Samoa Joe was going to win. And more importantly than that, it sold to me that Samoa Joe needs to be the next WWE champion. Whether they kick this off at Hell in a Cell inside the cell or whether they push it a little bit forward, I don't care. Samoa Joe proved he has every single thing that WWE needs in a heel world champion that we have not had in such a long time. Damn right, Silver King. Great call. And do you know what I realized? Vince buried SmackDown on this show. He buried the matches down. He went with three out of four Raw matches to close. All the SmackDown matches, for the most part, had some kind of schmaz to them. If this Mm. was a SmackDown, if you take the SmackDown matches from SummerSlam and made it a separate in-between pay-per-view, this would be one of the better pay-per-views of the year. SmackDown was great. SmackDown was great. One of WWE's interesting decisions was instead of making the pay-per-views every other month by brand and going dual brand for the big five, making them all dual brand was a huge mistake. They didn't need two per month, but they should have done brand by brand every other month. It would have been much stronger. Okay. I want got I, a lot more Matt. If we get Vince away from SmackDown, SmackDown could become yeah. the main roster brand that we deserve and that will get BC happy and that will get our fans off of my back and maybe keep me in the main roster WWE podcasting game. And I'm not saying that as a threat. I'm saying I'm teetering right now and it's WWE's fault and it's all the fans out there who support this kind of booking. Let's move on four hot minutes. What do you got for me? (laughs) All right, we have the triple threat match for the uh, SmackDown 
Women's Championship, which saw Charlotte Flair go over Carmella and Becky Lynch. It was a match I really expected Carmella to end up retaining the title and kind of pit Charlotte and, and Becky against each other, which she did to a decent degree. Um, curious what you thought of the match in general, and we'll talk about Becky Lynch's heel turn, but also mostly the finish and Charlotte Flair actually going over and taking the title out of SummerSlam. Uh, love. Really like this match. This match was really good. And, I, and for the limitations that can happen in a triple threat and the fact that Carmella is not a great worker, Carmella worked her ass off in here. And she had yeah. good moments as a heel, uh, doing making fun of the, the Ric Flair walk and the woo. The fact that Carmella went on this run of routinely diving into the ring to save, dramatically save a pin, then get tossed out of the ring, and then dive back in a minute later. And the, her timing was great. It really added an extra layer of drama to this match. Charlotte hit the big spots, although does she ever actually hit that moonsault? She did a twisting one that was crazy oh, dangerous. She did a corkscrew moonsault to the outside that literally landed directly between Carmella and Becky Lynch. And nearly every time Charlotte does a moonsault, it's not her fault. It's not her fault. Nearly every time she does one, it lands on nobody because the women won't take the bump. And that's not to say that the women are scared of taking the bumps. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in those instances, they don't take the bump. Becky was like three feet away from the landing zone. Carmella, she like touched her shoulder and they both fell down. It was an amazing move. It was a spectacle. The pictures of it are awesome, but she didn't hit, she didn't hit either of them. Yeah, and I thought Carmella's suicide dive that was right before that was actually really good. By the way, you know who hits the best suicide dives these days is Samoa Joe, by the way, because it's so yes. stiff. And I thought he hurt AJ bad into the table there. But back to that women's match. Look, I like the SmackDown matches on the show a lot. I like the finish. The natural selection while Becky had Carmella in the disarmor was perfect. Timing perfect. You get the win. Of course, the heel turn was telegraphed. Of course, they hugged each other for what felt like seven minutes, covering yeah. up like so you couldn't see their facial expressions yet. You know what? I'm going to say it, Adam. This is the best moment of the night. It was so telegraphed and so good and so deserved. And the only question here was, did WWE think that Becky was going to get booed because they thought <laughs> Carmella was more beloved? And were they... Did they get worked by the fact that the faithful in Brooklyn loved this moment? That explosion for Becky. We had chance of Becky. We had chance of yes. We had chance of you deserve it. What did she deserve? She didn't win. She didn't win the title. You deserve stomping your teammate in heel fashion. No, no. The you, the you deserve it chance were for Charlotte. Oh, good point. Good point. And by the way, Charlotte yeah. sold the beating. She was crying afterwards. Yep. Perfect. Blue, whoever's running the blue brand, and it's, it ain't Vince. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. It was perfectly executed, and the, I had the same thought. I sent a, what I thought was a funny tweet, but maybe it wasn't, um, of like, that, what, what did they think was going to happen? Did they think Becky was going to get booed? And if they did, who the hell thought that? Like, everything that we've seen with Becky, you know how fans feel about her. You think she's actually going to get booed for turning on someone? that the fans don't like as much. You have to have them turn on someone the fans like more. And and the problem is, there's no one the fans like more than Becky Lynch. There's no woman on either roster that's a bigger fan favorite than Becky Lynch, including Ronda Rousey. And that's the truth. And hopefully their thought was, give her an edge, make her a badass. Not Steve Austin a badass, but 
give her a little edge, give her a little grit, make a real feud between her and Charlotte. But if they think that's going to be a heel turn, they are sadly mistaken. Outside of that, great match, great booking. Um, and I said this a couple weeks ago, Carmella, she's not going to be a top 10 wrestler in, in WWE, but she consistently gets a little bit better match by match. Okay. Yeah, shout Braun out to Strowman. Hey, by the way, I get now why people like this pay-per-view. I'm sorry, love. I get why people <laughs> love this pay-per-view. Because, look, the bones of the foundation to build love for this pay-per-view are strong. Because I love the Bex moment. I love Samoa Joe, AJ Styles. The problem was I was underwhelmed by The Miz, underwhelmed by Balor, underwhelmed by Rousey, and I hated the main event booking. And if that, and if three out of the four of those— No, you didn't hate the main event. You hated the last five seconds, which is what you said. So if, you, if three out of the four of those you somehow loved, then now I get why people love this pay-per-view because it had some of those moments of good feeling that had to be there to build the foundation for love. I guess I'm just a savvier Mark fan who expects more, but that was already a topic that we talked about the first 50 minutes of the oh, show. Oh, yeah. Enjoy your tea with your, your pinky up in the air. Yeah, you're way savvier than everyone else listening I'm to the show. I'm drinking IPAs right. eating $125 steaks, and everybody else wants Bud Light. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Okay. Let's move on to the 1 minute 50 squash match. Braun Strowman defending his Money in the Bank contract against Kevin Owens. It actually spoke to me because we were just talking about SummerSlam 1988. A little bit like the Ultimate Warrior Honky Tonk Man. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, it was... came strolling down, beat the crap out of him. He got one offensive move in. That was it. I, I love that they did it this way because if it was a six-minute match and ended the same way, you'd kind of go, oh, all right. Instead, it made right. a statement, and it made a statement that he will be around for the main event, and I think that created a, a certain level of good feeling that did sort of hang around for a while. So you give him credit for that. That's the right booking because KO has really gotten beat up this whole build. So it sort of made sense for it to end that way. I'm saddened that there was no cash in to close, but I don't book Adam. I just tell you whether the booking was good. Give me a minute. That was hot. He did. So let's move on. Only issue with it, I think was it's one thing to bury Baron Corbin. It's another thing to bury KO. And you had KO put on a legitimate cage match with him. I don't know how long it was, but it was legit. It lasted a while. He taunted him. He won, ultimately, even though he got thrown off. And then in a normal ring where he can actually escape, he lasts a minute and a half. I did like the so, K- KO in the bank shirt. That was pretty sweet. That was a great sweet. shirt. That, that's going to you know, be the, up there with the, the gear. The gear, top to bottom, the whole show was incredible. Uh, I'll give you that. And that shirt, It really was. I don't think they're going to sell that KO in the bank shirt. I didn't see it at the merch <laughs> stand tonight. But that'll be like imagine. a Y2AJ level like rare shirt to yeah. find. We still want those. If anyone has Y2AJ, let us know. WWE, if you're listening, send us those shirts. Those are awesome. All right. Uh, tag team match for the WWE Tag Team SmackDown Tag Team Championship. New Day beat the Bludgeon Brothers via disqualification because after a match that had me not standing on my feet, but I would have because it was close. When Xavier Woods dropped that elbow off the top rope to the outside, I was ready to explode. I was like, this is going to be awesome. They end it with the back end of a mallet to someone's face and a DQ in a match that I'm going to say this and I'll let you respond because you were there. The crowd must have been at a nine following Rollins Ziggler. And this took it from a nine to like a 9.5 after that elbow drop. Yeah. 
and dropped it to a two with that finish. Think of the pressure that was on this match. This match could have stunk coming off of, of Rollins Ziggler, and it raised the bar. We don't we don't just set the bar. We are the bar. And this match, nine minutes and 45 seconds, nine minutes and 44 of it, were hot friggin' fire. The crowd loved it. The spots were great. The elbow off the top by Woods to the outside. Woods was phenomenal from his tope. I even like the early offense from the bludgeons. I thought it was booked really good. That's crap booking. And Adam, yeah. like like we said, if it was one time, you'd be like, all right, that's the story they chose to tell. Not every match can be, and this is where I stand by. Yes, not every match on a SummerSlam can be amazing and epic and can end a story. I know some have to continue the story. I just would have liked more than one. What What's the only match on this card that actually ended a story? Probably Rousey Bliss, right? Strowman. Ep- Every Stroman. other yeah, Strowman. Every other match seemed to extend Ballard. stories forward, which really makes you upset. But my point that's crap booking. Why the heck would like okay, I get it. It's a heel protecting but the, the no, bludgeons are not chicken. There's no defending crap. it. There's no defending it. Yeah, the Don't bludgeons try. aren't chicken crap heels. It's just bad booking. Brian, they if they wanted a DQ finish in that match, they could have had them get really upset at what was going on, take the steel steps, kill them with it. Um, keep throwing them into the barricade outside, have the referee tell them to stop. They keep doing it, get a DQ. They had a guy who's like 6'9", get a rubber mallet and hit a guy in the face with the back end of it to force a DQ in a match that they were going to lose against the New Day. And the, the the biggest sin is they did it coming out of a hot start. If you want to have that finish, put it later in the card. Do the Braun Strowman match, then do this maybe, whatever. But you don't, like I said, and this is watching on TV, you tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think I am. The crowd was at like a nine after Rollins. It kept going up because that match was so damn good. And they ruined the energy in that arena, at least on my TV screen, with that finish. That crowd went from peak excitement to like silence because they they weren't even booing, at least from what I saw. They were just stunned that WWE would actually book a match to end like that. The second match in the show that was as good as it was. You're damn right. Let's get to the final match we're going to talk about. And that yes. was the opener, Intercontinental yes. Championship. Rollins Ziggler, 22 minutes even. <sighs> All right. Awesome match. But here we go. An incomplete match. And I'm a little upset about it. The finish, amazing. Rollins had that sequence of inverted moves, amazing. The arena exploded for Rollins winning. This was your, along with Rousey, your ultimate mark victory moment for the for babyface fans. Like, this was like families, everybody just... Bl- Dude, when Rollins came out to open that card and the burn it down part of his song was probably the second biggest pop of the night beyond Becky turning heel it, or in, in Rousey winning. It was incredible how loud they were. I have an issue. And they, look, every epic match... Not every epic match is is hot fire from start to finish. I get that. This match was unexplainably common to bad for the first half. And if you don't believe me, I've got witnesses. The crowd was booing it at the midway point. They were straight up yelling boring, and they were booing it. And then it started to turn and get a little bit better. But really, it wasn't until the last few minutes that it heated up. So it's like one of those matches that I can really... I got to penalize it and give it a B+. The finish was as good as an IC title finish can be on a pay-per-view. It was incredible. Rollins, amazing. But Adam, this is my problem with WWE main roster pay-per-view matches. I get it's not going to be NJPW, but Rollins and Ziggler are that great of workers. 
If you're going to go 22 minutes, let them work. Let them work, Adam. We do not need Ziggler a five-minute chokehold on the ground and a rest hold that you can do on Raw to get you to commercial. It's SummerSlam. Do you know who didn't mail it in on SummerSlam, Adam? Cena and Styles two years ago. You know who didn't mail it in at SummerSlam? Cena and Rollins three years ago. Why can't Rollins and Ziggler come out here and give us 22 hot minutes? Not five hot to close. Why can't we get what we deserve? Because they weren't telling a one-on-one story. The whole story revolved around, and we I talked about this like three or four weeks ago. It was It was the fact that Ziggler and Drew McIntyre were overpowering Rollins two-on-one and not giving him the opportunity to get back what was rightfully his. That he lost only because Drew McIntyre was there in his corner. So they had to tell the match, not the match, they had to tell the story of the role that Dean Ambrose played throughout the match and having his back, helping him overcome this obstacle. And the only way they could do that was by utilizing Dean Ambrose and Drew McIntyre. They did it outside the ring a couple times. They did it with the dirty deeds, you know, towards the, for the finish when Drew McIntyre jumped up and he pulled them down and hit him with the dirty deeds. That was part of the storytelling of the match. Let's not act like every NGPW match is a five-star classic where it's straight wrestling and nothing else happens. There's a lot of stuff, storytelling things that happen. And Kenny Omega has had dudes in his corner, you know, whether the Young Bucks or or whoever, that have factored into what's going on during the match. In fact, during the finals of G1, they had... What did they have? Kenny Omega was in Coda's corner, and the other guy whose name I'm forgetting was in Tanahashi's corner. You're losing and the battle. Coaching... No, and they were coaching them on during the match. My point is, they weren't telling the story of, here's the greatest match of all time between Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins. Had they decided to do that, we might have actually seen it. Instead, the thing, though. The story in, they told... instead, they put on a four-star-plus match, given the constraints of having to work in two other dudes who did not wrestle in the match. This is my point. They used a story that you can use with people that aren't great workers to tell a great story. That's not a story you need to tell with people that are this great of a worker. And that's why I think the WWE main roster booking and storytelling ways are are antiquated and outdated. Yes, of they course can they get... are. No one's arguing that. Okay, you can get big TV contracts and move merch. You have two of maybe the top 11 workers in the world in this match. Maybe one of them is the top four or five in the world. Let them work. That's all I'm going to say. Like, you, Would it have were, been better if we just got a 22-minute match of them working without a bunch of wrestles? Yes. But they were telling a different story. That doesn't mean it was bad. That doesn't mean that we need to downgrade it because it wasn't the best it could possibly be. I think we got a very good match to open the show. The crowd lost its mind, and maybe you heard boring chants at some point. I didn't hear those. I mean, certainly the crowd did get more amped up later on TV, and yes, there were rest holds, but on TV, and especially the way, the way you know, I criticized them earlier, but the way Cole and Corey and even Coach uh, discussed Ambrose's impact and, and Drew McIntyre and, and the way they called that match, it was enthralling, it was entertaining, it was a really damn good match, and it was a great finish. Great period. Uh, look, I think this is the bottom line. I think we went through a lot on the on the psychological couch tonight, and here's what here's what it comes down to, Adam. NGTBW is too good 
It's ruined the scale. No, I'm serious. This, this is not an oh god. This is a truthful situation. No, it is an oh god because not. I, it's too good. It be... It's ruined the scale to compare. It's it's too good that it's ruined WWE. If you're a fan of of actual wrestling, Brian, can you can you enjoy a movie that's not an Oscar winner? Yes. Then you can enjoy WWE. It's not going to win you any Oscars. It's going to entertain you. It's like Hangover One. Do you realize yeah, the amount of hours it. you got to put in to watch this product, Adam? That's what I'm saying. If this was me, if this was me watching a one hour show a week, and then you're like, "Dude, stop complaining about Game of Thrones. It's it's going to be back next week. It's going to be awesome." No, dude, this is this is you, not. You're also forgetting that. So we're also not the average consumer. We're like we're watching three hours of Raw. Let's just say two hours of SmackDown, and then a four hour pay per view a month. Right? We're also writing it. I'm editing it. We're publishing it on the site. We're reporting news about it. Our job entails a lot more work and coverage and criticism of wwe than the average fan who watches it and maybe listens to our podcast maybe listens to bruce maybe listens to cheap heat and that's their consumption of wwe we are literally sitting daily and talking and arguing and yes njpw is great and we just got off g1 climax and oh my god nxt on saturday was fantastic but the average fan doesn't consume the product like this and they certainly don't do it for a living i'm glad that we get to do this podcast i love it it's fun debating with you i love watching it you know maybe the recaps are a little bit annoying but we get them done and they do a lot of traffic for us but again our experience with wwe is vastly different than most people That's especially the average fan. this also might be our last episode of all time but here's the thing everyone knows <laughs> everyone knows that and everyone now knows that look i've tasted the good life i've been to the other side like if you've been to an eyes wide shut sex party and then you try to go back home, it's going to be different, right? It's just going to be different. I've it's going to be different. Tasted a hundred twenty five dollar yeah. steak before. I've seen NXT Takeover live. I'm sorry, SummerSlam used to be good enough. It's not anymore. I'm not talking to you about this undercard because it was awful. No, no, no. I'm talking to you about Takeover on Wednesday's show because I want to do a big segment on NXT's future, and we're already too deep into this show. We are. Hey, hey, people, come at me. I want you to come at BC at B Campbell CBS on Twitter. Tell me if I'm crazy. Tell me if the Silver King's right. Tell me if I was too close to the product this weekend because I've been working day day and night and – I loved it, but I got a problem, and I don't think it's getting fixed. And Adam, a year ago at this time, we were marking out, brother. And guess what we're not doing right now? We're not marking out. That's a problem. Yeah, the main event was Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, and Brock Lesnar in a match where anything could have happened. And it was incredible, and it was maybe the best match of the year. Send your peeps home happy, Vince. Send your peeps home happy. It's not that hard, Adam. You can also you can also tweet me at Silverstein Adam and tell me how much you how much I am right because I always am right and how crazy Brian is being. Hey, do you think for SummerSlam being this was, down was better last what? year? Do you think SummerSlam was better last year? I don't I'm think... not remembering. I'm not remembering the show top to bottom, but there's no question the end of the show was better. You went home happy. The AJ no KO match with Shayna's referee was hot fire, and then we that had a good. popcorn match of Jinder and Shinsuke, and then the insane main event. And don't forget before AJ KO. We had Ambrose and Rollins winning the title from the bar in a badass mm. match. I loved the, Sasha and Alexa, and then the first half of the card stunk. The two SummerSlams before that in Brooklyn I thought were really good. So I think this was the worst of the four. I'm sorry. It, it's a truth. Grade, give me a final grade on this SummerSlam. The, the, the send me home mad part really affects me, but uh, C+. plus. 
okay, I'm saying it's a B minus. It's incredible that we're that dude. Somebody, it's incredible that our opinions are that drastically different. But the overall grade of the show is literally a half letter grade apart. Okay, but here's the difference. Here's the difference. What was NXT Takeover Brooklyn for? A plus, right? Um, pretty much an A plus, right? It was not an A plus. It was a. A and a half, A or an A or an A minus, A and a half, of, basically. And a tell or me an this, a tell me this G one final show. Well, it was only one match. I don't care about the stuff. Before. Okay, G one final, final week- matches, G one final the three weekend. final matches on the three final nights of G one were an A plus. Okay, G one as a whole, uh, A minus. Okay, uh, Dominion. Oh, A. A plus through the roof. Uh, how about that uh, card in San Fran or whatever, that card we had before? Oh, yeah, a plus G1? for Dominion. I'm sorry, A plus for Dominion. That oh, card... the card in San Fran was not. Oh, it was amazing. Those last two matches were amazing. Uh, Wrestle yeah, Kingdom. So, you know what WWE's given us this year? WrestleMania. And that's it. Thank you. But, Brian, you're not, again, you're not going to get a... It's going to be very rare to get an A pay-per-view from WWE. Then why do we watch this many hours, Adam? That's the equation. That's for the, the moments, math equation. For the, the moments end. that we popped at, for Rollins, Ziggler, for Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, for Charlotte, Carmella, and Becky, for Ronda Rousey you winning the title. You just told me it's very hard to get an A pay-per-view. Then why do we watch anymore? Because there's enough in there that we enjoy and like watching that we put up with the rest of the crap. It's as simple WWE as that. WWE doesn't build toward a pay-per-view anymore. They use the pay-per-view to sell TV. It's an inverted wrong scenario. I mean, they are doing that, yes. And what they should do is use the non-Big Five, so the other seven pay-per-views, to build towards TV. And then they should use TV to build towards the Big Five pay-per-views. So they should do it some months and not other months. The problem is they do it way more consistently than they should. Uh, Particularly with the biggest, particularly with the two biggest shows of the year in WrestleMania and SummerSlam. It's 2 a.m. I must be lonely. Let's let Jimmy Wang Yang take us out. Because I'm a redneck. My name is Jimmy Wang Yang. I'm your boy. Yeah. Oh god, that feels good. Adam, do you have any messages for our fans when right now? I mean, it's so late. Is no, just still listening? real, real quick. I'm gonna wrap it up real quick. Uh, follow us at In This Corner CBS. Tweet us your opinions on who is closer to being right uh, in this particular episode. Be sure to tune in Wednesday for our next WWE Pro Wrestling edition. We will talk NXT Takeover in full. There, yes, nod. Yeah. Oh, God, okay. Yeah. There's the nod. Okay. Uh, we'll talk it in full on Wednesday. We're, listen, there's going to be some pretty interesting Raw and SmackDown on Monday and Tuesday. We're going to have plenty I'm to talk about. Watching. Hopefully, BC watching. didn't talk so long on this episode. It's usually me joining on, but hopefully, you didn't talk so long that I can't edit this and publish it tonight before dawn breaks. I need some sunny days, brother. Hook the leg. Hook the leg.